Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. For the last couple of days, I've spent a lot of time underground, and that's easy to do in the state of Missouri. We've got about 7,000 wild caves in the state, and it's astounding. We're called the Cave State. But there are lots of new caves being discovered every year. There are people that it's their passion to get out and spelunk, get into the caves, and do a great service to the public, really. You know, you talk about uh, caves in the state of Missouri. Almost everybody's been in a cave, it seems like. And, of course, we love to see our caves protected here in the state of Missouri because we do understand their value uh, now. You know, back in the old days, people thought any hole in the ground was the abode of the devil, you know. And, of course, across the Ozarks, we've cleaned up so many sinkholes over the decades because people used to throw all their trash, dead cows, and everything else right into those sinkholes, not realizing that uh, that went right to their water systems. But, hey, we're doing a lot better these days. But today, I'm sitting in uh, Old Lake of the Ozark State Park in the office of Jerry Good, and he's the naturalist here at Ozark Caverns in LOZ. Good to have you on the program. Very happy to be here. Hey, Jerick, we just went through the cave here with you about an hour-long tour. Uh, three members of the Missouri Outdoor Communicators were over in this area for just a few days. Oh, done some fishing, walking trails, been in a couple caves, uh, just all kinds of uh, tremendous outdoor activities. And, uh, Jerick, how, lo- how long have you been here at LOZ? Um, so it's going on two years. Going on two years, so you look like a pretty young man, so you're not too far out I'm of college. I'm still early on. <laughs> you did a short stint with a forest service, I think? Yep, just as a seasonal um, in Montana. In Montana. Boy, you lucky rascal, you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty country. Hey, gorgeous country out west, but you know what? Uh, I had dreams many years ago of working for the National Park Service uh, out west, but I discovered the Missouri Ozarks. I was from the swamps of southeast Missouri. I, I thought the whole world was flat, you know. <laughs> But discovered the Ozarks, and boy, I've spent my entire life here, and no regrets whatsoever, because in the Missouri Ozarks, we can do something outdoors every month of the year. Yeah, it gets hot, it gets cold, but still, with the right gear and the right attitude, you can have a great, great time. Well, Garrick, the uh, tour that we took through uh, the cave itself, uh, of course, very, very educational, and who is the greatest greatest populace that you take through the cave on tours? The kids, adults, families? So it's a wide range. Uh, we do school groups uh, before and after our typical traditional season. Um, during that time, a lot of campers come down here from the north side of the park, or if they're staying at McCubbins, um, it's not a far drive. And it is a wide range of, of family members uh, or just groups. Sometimes we have scout groups or things like that that come through as well, too. Sure, and I'm sure that you probably get a lot of people, of course, from their home state here in 
in Missouri. But do y'all keep any kind of records to determine where people come from or register or anything like that? No, but we do have a, a wide range. If you walk through the parking lot in our busy season, we have Wisconsin and Michigan and Oregon. It's a, a wide range of, of people coming to check out the cave and the, the state park. Well, it's it's pretty unique. And, hey, I've fished over at the Lake Ozarks for 40 years or, or better, and I've fished out of McCubbin's Point mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of times, and I've seen that intriguing sign out uh, on, the, on the highway there going through. And... Uh, I've always wanted to come and see Ozark Caverns, my first time here. Mm-hmm. Quite impressive, man. And of course, uh, I used to be a naturalist with the State Park System decades ago, probably before you were born. But, Please keep track. <laughs> but I uh, actually went uh, through some DNR training uh, over at Fisher Cave in uh, Merrimack State Park. And the most intriguing thing about that training was uh, cave photography was pretty interesting. Of course, today we kind of discouraged that uh, because of the white nose syndrome. Is that correct? And what I'm trying to understand the process still, uh, what does the light do in the cave situation that's that's bad, so to speak, that we don't want to see happen? Sure. So we have some species that are light sensitive within the cave. Um, If our eyes adjust to a dark environment and we get flashes of light, that can certainly be uncomfortable for us and especially for it you know, species that are in that cave environment all the time, a bright light is extraordinarily bright. Well, there's a reason that they've adapted to those dark <laughs> situations. Right. And, of course, it's always fascinating to get into the, the caves. And uh, uh, you pointed out some very unique creatures inside the cave today. Could, could you just run down a short list of some of the things that we saw today? Sure. So cave? we didn't see any of our five species of bats Um, But we did get to see uh, several different salamanders that we have in the cave. Of the four species in the cave, we got to see a dark-sided salamander as well as the grotto salamander. You bet, and those things are so cool. Of course, I've been in the cave where they have the the species that are all white, you know. Even at Merrimack Spring when I was there, I never got to dive in in the cave. But the guy that uh, was there as a naturalist after me actually was a scuba diver and went down and... uh, uh, with a team, I think, from Chicago. But, boy, the photographs they took of the crayfish and even the blind cave fish, you know, so incredibly unique. Having eye spots without eyes. That's right. And an ad- adaptation. And there was, uh, unfortunately, oh, it's probably been 20 years ago, better now, there was a pipeline break in that area that fed fertilizer directly into oh, the yeah. cave system yeah and it flushed out lots of lots of critters you know that uh kind of ended their life but uh, didn't get them all and and it's kind of come back since then so it's uh, hey, a great great treasure but uh the cave here ozark caverns uh let's talk about the history just a little bit we know that it takes millennia for a, a cave to develop we're here in limestone country here and most of us understand that under us in the Ozarks is kind of like Swiss cheese. But uh, how far back do you think? Uh, any history or indications or records about uh, how old the cave is? Sure. So we don't have exact records of how old the cave is. That predates you know, our sure. history, sure. Uh, certainly. But uh, Native Americans were in this part of the world at least 13,000 years ago. 
Um, and archaeologists have dug down in our entrance of, of Ozark Caverns and found spearheads, arrow points, and awls that do date back to 7,000 years ago. So humans have been in this cave and around it for a very long time. Uh, today, do you uh, find or have you found any indications of the native Indians going far back in the cave, or they just primarily use the entrance? I would say they primarily use the entrance. There haven't been any artifacts um, found further into the cave. And at this point in time, we try not to disturb the cave environment more. Um, and so we, we kind of have our information that we have right now. Right. And, and that's one of the unique things about uh, DNR having ownership of a cave system like this. Now, I, know, I understand there was a commercial operation here for a few years. Yeah, so uh, this cave was prepared for cave tours in 1951 and 52 by a private company, um, and they owned and operated it through 1977, and then the park system bought it in 1979 for $100,000 and another 100 acres. Wow. Uh, that's pretty good buy. It is a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah. But I have to hand it to those people, whoever they were, they didn't do a lot of damage to the cave with their process. Yeah, fortunately, we, we have a fully functional cave ecosystem um, with species that hang on the ceiling and are also in the water. Uh, that is cool, cool stuff. And it's so unique here, too, because we talk about the flash photography situation and the problems that it can cause. And your tours are lantern tours. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. So our cave, we try to, to disturb it as little as possible. So we don't have uh, electric lighting throughout the cave. Ours are done by individually held lanterns that everyone gets at the start of their tour. That That is really cool. And uh, I'm sure everybody appreciates that little bit of light. But I'm a big kids fan. I've worked in a lot of uh, outdoor programs for kids over the decades. And I can imagine taking a bunch of grade schoolers through that cave and they've got their own little lantern and i bet they stay pretty close together don't they <laughs> we stay as a group no one gets left behind <laughs> but what an adventure for children now, do you do a, a different program for the kids little guys than you would for uh older adults you know or grown-ups Sure. So generally throughout the summer, we have our traditional tour, which is about an hour long um, in that 56 degree cave environment. And so there the information is is easily acceptable and digestible uh, for a wide range of ages. Um, and then we also do the school programs. And so, you know, we try and, and match some standards and things like that to, to make it fulfilling in multiple ways. You, you betcha. So do you have a cooperative agreement with the you know the school districts around i mean do the same schools come back every year so with covid we've had a bit of a disruption with uh, that we all have right and so uh, this year is the first year um, that schools have been back in it and so I'm, I'm really interested to see who comes back year after year yeah certainly so so do you then have for your outdoor education programs do you have a curriculum that uh, comes from the school or you have your own curriculum or you mash them together for your outdoor education purposes? Sure. So we have a wide range of folks within DNR, and some have specialties in making sure that our information, you know, matches uh, the right. curriculum of the schools. And so um, with that information, we can make sure everyone leaves here with more knowledge than they came with. Hey, that that's a great goal to have, and I'm sure it, it's kind of like it's fun enough 
when you go into that cave, I always said outdoor education needs to be fun, you know. That's right. And kids are learning when they really don't even realize it's a learning process. If you've told them there's going to be a test afterwards, you might have a problem, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they usually do pretty well if I give them a quiz at the end. Do they? That's yep. interesting. Well, Garrick, I tell you, time flies and you're having fun. We need to take just a short break here to hear from some of our sponsors. But, folks, don't be back. Don't, don't go away. We'll be right back, and uh, we're talking underground stuff. Cool stuff. Ozark Caverns. I'm Bill Cooper. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on a beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Who's All. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest bow fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Bow Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri, and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Bow Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Taney Como Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Bow Fishing at 573 263 8016. Again, that's 573 263 8016. Be sure and shoot straight. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. I'm, I've been underground for the last couple of days, and currently I'm over at Lake of the Ozark State Park uh, at Ozark Caverns with the naturalist. Garrick, good. Boy, I got I got to tease you a little bit there, Garrick. That's an unusual <laughs> name. Is that a Celtic name, Garrick? I U E R R I C. I respond to anything close. <laughs> well, unusual name, first spelling. But this is a fascinating place. You're kind of remote here in Lake of the Ozark State Park, back off in a in a hollow. There's water. There's fins. Uh, great environment here. And I, I suspect that you spend a little time by yourself back here. It is. It can be isolating, but we get plenty of visitors throughout the year to, to ask me questions and, and help me learn, too. There you go. Well, what's your, what's your open season here as far as the cave is concerned? Sure. So we begin tours May 15th on the weekends until June 1st, and then we go seven days a week until the end of the summer. And during that time, when we're seven days a week, we do offer four tours a day. Four tours a day. Wow. So you you should have this program uh 
memorized inside out and backwards right <laughs> every tour is different we get absolutely. different questions or see different animals yep that's that's absolutely right i've done a lot of tours in my lifetime you got to be flexible don't you that's right absolutely well one of the most fascinating things about this cave to me was the water source in the cave and uh, i mean we i don't know how far back we went in, in the cave but the water was a constant source there was just a stream and we heard this roaring waterfall at one point you know i thought boy we're gonna get to see this massive waterfall and it was what <laughs> about three feet tall <laughs> about three feet tall but a lot of water pouring through there you know but in that cave it just echoed so but i i would imagine again i keep going back to the kids but i i'd like to wonder what's going on in those little minds when they hear that water start to roar mm-hmm. you know they probably think they're going to get washed away <laughs> caves are a good place for imagination too uh, they really are but the water here uh how large of a drainage area does the cave capture water from do you have any idea about that so that's a good question so we have dye traced um, both mill spring on one side of the visitor center and the cave stream on the other side most of that water originates in the next hollow over, um, and it travels underground through the Dolomite Rock. There you go. So it's probably a relatively small area then. It's probably not as big as you think. Yeah, quite quite often watersheds can be very huge. Uh-huh. Yeah, but but in the Ozarks, uh, particularly with the porous nature of the rock and the soil, it uh, it may not be so big, but uh, you mentioned that even with the rains, that the water does not fluctuate all that much. Yeah, so our, our most spectacular deposit, Angel Showers, uh, the water flows through it at a rate of between 3,000 and 9,000 gallons every 24 hours, and sometimes in Missouri we have droughts, and it runs constant even through that. Really? So that's, uh, wow. And at the deepest point we were in a cave, how far underground were we? So between us and the tree roots, um, 60 feet at the end. 60 feet. So it's, it's still pretty amazing that even during a drought that you're getting that much water coming through that that system so that as the water is percolated down the through the soil, using my imagination, I'm thinking there's pockets of water uh, underground, maybe small lakes or whatever, collection points. And that water then filters on down through the uh, ground and comes through, what you call that, Angel Falls? Angel Showers. That's angel right. Showers. And, folks, i, I got to tell you, that's worth the trip alone. Just I've never seen a formation like that myself. Is that a common formation? So that showerhead deposit that, that is on the ceiling, um, there are only 14 of those in the entire world and only three others in the U.S., and those are in private caves. Really? So it really is a spectacular and unusual thing to see here. Those are caverns. That's right. And it's just it's just so beautiful. Uh, water coming out of the ceiling. And like I said, it's almost like an elongated shower head. But there's a bathtub to catch it. That's right. Yeah, conveniently <laughs> in caves, many things are named um, in, in easily appreciable uh, names. And so there's the shower head where the water flows through it, like a natural shower head. And then the bathtub deposit as well, where almost all the water from Angel Showers actually flows through this bathtub um, and back underneath of our feet. And we don't know exactly where that water goes. Wow, pretty incredible. But uh, the stone there, I guess, is that calcite on the top? That's just snow white. Just snow white, just beautiful. And it kind of chuckled. I I could imagine uh, maybe the mental torment you 
go through sometimes where you're taking tour groups through. Of course, you don't want people to touch anything. It's but tempting. Right, right there, yeah, very much so. And even right there at the bathtub, there was a tiny little handprint with uh, obviously had mud on their hands, you know, so they had touched something somewhere else. But you use that as a teaching point, correct? Yeah, yeah. Everything in the cave can be used to teach. Um and understand just how sensitive the cave environment is. And so that's a, a great reminder of, you know, we, we only touch the lanterns and the railings throughout the cave. Boy, uh, that's a full-time job just trying to watch <laughs> all those little hands. Of course, I had a suggestion for you, but I don't think that'd make it very far through. DNR, so we won't talk about that. Oh. But taking the little guys through, what's the most common question they ask? I get asked a lot, how old is that? And they point at something in the Some cave. object, yeah. Uh, it, that's a pretty tough one. Yeah. If we know it's, like, say, millennia, but for a child to really grasp the concept of it's how old that is. It's hard for me to grasp, that too, is. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I, I can remember getting questions like that as a naturalist, you know, and sometimes I'm trying to put it in perspective of, you know, humans... I think average lifespan of a male is, what, 72 now, 74, something like that? I'm 73, man. You're <laughs> <laughs> doing great. Hey. It's an outdoors, average, so you can go way above exercise, that. You bet. Uh, I plan on being engaged when I'm 90, you know. <laughs> but put it in perspective, uh, I've told children at times, think 10 generations back. That's only about 700 years you know, and sometimes you see the little twinkle in their eyes and you think maybe it's starting to soak in a little bit. But uh, what other questions do they ask you commonly? Where are the bats? Where are the bats? Or what species of bat do you have that use the cave? Okay, that's a good question. You know, you mentioned there were five species that utilize that Yeah, so we do population surveys. So the only time we enter the cave in the wintertime is to do a bat population survey. And historically, there have been five species that have used our cave. Um, and so, you know, there's a, a wide range of species and, and needs that they, they get within the cave. Um, and bats are also the primary grocery getters of our cave. You know, the water flows out after it's filtered through the rock. Mm-hmm. So those bats, they can bring in lots of nutrients uh, for all the wildlife from salamanders to, to other species in the cave, too. You, you betcha, and that, that is such a unique uh, ecological system. You know, the bats out catching the bugs and mosquitoes, I love them because they eat lots of mosquitoes, mm-hmm. but they come back in the droppings of the guano full of nutrients, and that's, that's right. really the life of the cave system, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, what's your most common bat species here? Um, so on our last survey, the tricolor bat um, was the most common. Tricolor. And now... Do the bats spend the whole year here? They migrate, or how does that work? It depends on species. Um, so we actually have a species called the eastern red bat um, that lives within our park, and it's interesting because it doesn't use the cave at all. Um, even in the wintertime, you might find it under some leaf litter or under a, a down log along a trail. Really? Now, I'm not not familiar with that bat at all, so that, that is very, very interesting. And uh, maybe... Uh, how many bats do you think over winter here? So our, average? our population has in this particular cave been historically kind of low. Um, even before white nose syndrome, um, the populations were lower. 
part of um, the, the numbers we had were around five this last round, um, which is pretty low. Um, other caves in the area, um, definitely many, many more bats. Wow. So just dependent on the cave. Okay. Now, do they raise their young here? Not in this cave. Not in this cave. Um, but there are other caves in the state park. Um, you can't go in them. We have right. them gated, but specifically for bats, yes. Well, that, that is interesting. So what brings bats to this cave? Maybe they're not like salmon, you know, wherever they're born they go back to. <laughs> yeah, they may they may switch around. Yeah, yeah, switch around. That, that's interesting. I, and that question, I guess I've never really thought of before, but it seems like an animal, if it was born... Uh, in a particular spot that it would return back to that area but maybe it's food supply some of it could be that um some of it could be maybe disturbances outside the cave too um Mm -hmm. if they flew by and and we had a a big group maybe they might reconsider um wow tough to know well i've worked down in the yucatan part time for the last 14 years and i've been in quite a number of caves down there because it's limestone country reminds me so much of the Ozarks, and uh, I was at a dry cave system, a huge sinko, I don't know, 7,500 feet deep, probably, wow, probably 100 yards across that thing. <laughs> but uh, we were there late one evening. We watched 5 million bats come out wow. of the cave system. and started as a huge circle, and as it got to the top of the sinko, it was just like a huge fan blowing on you. And Really spectacular because it was a full moon, and they got uh, got up higher and higher. I mean, millions of bats circling in front of a full moon. It was an incredible sight. But can you imagine how many insects five million bats would take out in an evening? A lot. <laughs> yeah, a single bat can eat between 6,000 and 8,000 mosquitoes per night. So multiply that really? by however many came out there. Wow, that shouldn't have been a mosquito left. You'll be less itchy if you visit around there. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, Garrick, let's take another break here. And folks, hey, regardless whether you're driving down the highway or carrying in the groceries, we want you to stick with us because we got some more grand information from our state park system. I'm Bill Cooper. Bass fishing on the Lake of the Ozarks. Look no further than Big Ed's guide service right there on Lake of the Ozarks. Big Ed Franco has been fishing on Lake of the Ozarks most of his life and has been guiding for almost two decades. I've fished with Big Ed had a great time. He's a lot of fun and certainly knows where the bass live. You can call Big Ed to make a reservation at 573-692-6710 or go to BigEdsGuideService.com. And on the flip side of his business card is Bass and Baskets. That's bed and breakfast that he and his wife, Deb, also run right on the banks of Lake of the Ozarks. You have a beautiful place to stay, great meals, beautiful outdoor decor, and you can walk right out the front door, get on Ed's bass boat, and head out to fish. You can call for the bed and breakfast at 573-692-6737 or look them up at BassandBaskets.com. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Well, it's that fun time again, giveaway time. I always love this part of the show. It's uh, fun to give away the items and certificates that our sponsors give 
to us. To, and, and these things are worth a hundred bucks a piece. Sometimes they're just gift certificates, and sometimes it is merchandise. But regardless, still a pretty good deal. But I'd like to encourage you to uh, get registered for this giveaway. It's every two weeks, and a hundred bucks we give away. And uh, very easy to do that. Just go on uh, Living the Dream Outdoors podcast page on Facebook. Like the page, and then type in your name, and you're automatically entered uh, for the drawing. And, again, love giving these things away. Boy, if it gets down to where the crowd gets so slim, I guess I'll just have to keep all these great things for myself. I couldn't do that. Nobody let me get away with that, I don't think. But, anyway, I'd like to read through the list right quick of the uh, businesses that uh, contribute to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. And that's helped keep us in business, of course, right off the Top is Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. That's Daryl Hyman and his crew. The Fly Rod Journal, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stainwater Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzal Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Rich's Famous Burkers, the Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinker and Lure Company, it's over at Waynesville, Turnbow Outdoors from Cherryville, J&J Charters in Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Bean Creek Game Calls and Bass and Baskets Bed and Breakfast. That's Big Ed Branco over at uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Those guys, hey, Big Ed, man, he can catch the bass, and he and his wife, Deb, also have a bed and breakfast right there on the lake. Hey, so uh, be sure and patronize these businesses and tell them that Bill Cooper from Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast sent you their way. Well, there's uh, always, before I do the giveaway, there's a few things I like to uh, talk about. You know, hey, it's it's August. Man, it's been a hot, dry summer. We did finally get some uh, rain in our area anyway, a couple inches. It really helped. And, of course, we're all thinking about bowl season. It's just about a month away. And, man, the, the food plots got in pretty bad shape. I know I have one, about an acre food plot, about a Oh, 150 yards behind the house, and I actually ran some water hose to it to keep the center of it green anyway. And then the uh, the rains came, and it's kind of green up back around the edges. So hopefully, I'll be out there in a deer blind. I guarantee you, September the 15th, blind right off of that uh, food plot. And uh, hey, we took four deer off that food plot last year my grandkids and i and they did let a couple get away so we could have had a half dozen off that food plot but uh, i plan on taking some more deer and having venison in the freezing there get through the winter i love it nothing like a good deer roast or put on a smoker and leave it for 8 10 12 hours oh good stuff but hey if you haven't uh, check out jury's deer cast this is a phone you can get a an app you can get on your phone. It's just full of great information. And uh, DeerCast has had several articles recently uh, about food plots and how to have late summer food plots and plots in good shape going into late summer and fall. I know a lot of people plant uh, August, September, and even October, but you can have food plots ready for long before then. helps keep deer in the area. But DeerCast always... Uh, now has a map function as well. I know there are different apps that have uh, mapping functions, but uh, uh, DeerCast now has that. And there's so many other features, but it's a great app. I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Tim Chelzevic. He's kind of the editor of uh, DeerCast, and uh, he's my boss. 
I write for DeerCast. Tim's a great guy, though. Great guy to work for. And all the folks that contribute to DeerCast, a lot of people contributing anymore. So you get quite a variety of information from all over the country. Hey, dove season coming up September the 1st. That is the most popular wing shooting of the whole year. Millions of hunters will go out across the country and uh, get after the doves and uh, millions and millions of doves in the country. And they're, they're, they're very good to eat too. We'll have a recipe maybe here in just a little bit and talk about uh, dove, very dark red meat. A lot of people don't like it, but you've just got to have it fixed right. I'm sure you've heard that before. Teal season coming up September 10th through the 25th. One of my favorite seasons of the year. Teal, teal are a tiny duck, weigh about six ounces. They, Migrate through Missouri from about mid-August to the end of September. And, uh, man, it can be some fast, furious shooting at times. But uh, till season, give it a try. Great fun. Then fall turkey season coming up October the 1st. That's the gun season. Of course, the archery season opens with deer season. And not many people fall turkey hunting anymore. Turkey populations have been way down. Still birds out there. I've seen a number of young birds this this. Uh, Years thus far, saw some uh, group of jakes just uh, last week. Great fun. Always see the wild turkeys here in the great state of Missouri. And another topic I'd like to cover just briefly is trout fishing in the wild streams of Missouri. You know, there's a trout slam going on where you can uh, fish uh, <clears throat> over a period of time, fish the nine wild trout streams in the Missouri Ozarks, and uh, it's in stages. You get uh, pins and certificates as you get three, four, five, six, seven of them, and, of course, the whole nine. But a little bit of concern about the trout slam because it's been so hot and dry this summer. I hated to see so many people going to these small trout uh, streams and taking fish out. Yeah, most people put them right back, take a quick photo, but still it's a lot of stress on uh, trout when the streams are so low uh they're low in oxygen and it just really stresses the fish out best thing you can do for them is not to fight those fish very long but get them in revive them and turn them loose but also been some issues come up because of the trout slam been more people out on the uh, streams and been some trespass problems on private property make sure that you're uh doing the right thing when you're going to these uh Wild trout streams. Make sure you're not trespassing on somebody's property. Do it all right. Do it the right way. Hey, I got an announcement here. September the 17th, uh, my wife Diane and I are going to be having a big auction in our place. And outdoorsman, I've got 40 years worth of outdoor equipment here. We're going to sell lots of rods, reels, some bows, some guns, so oh, lots of odds and ends. So come out and join us for a good time. September the 17th, Bort's Auction right here at the Cooper household. Okay, it's time for that giveaway. Let's draw that name out of the hat. And this giveaway is with Billy Smith of Scenic Rivers Guide Services and Tours down on the beautiful current river near Eminence, Missouri. And it looks like Mr. Tommy Bench. Tommy Bench is a guide himself up on the Gasconade. Now, there's two guys that will love being together, Billy Smith and Tommy Bench, two of the best smallmouth fishermen in the Missouri Ozarks. Well, congratulations, Tommy. I'll get together with Billy. I may have to tag along.
Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, and I'm with Garrett Good over at Lake of the Ozark State Park. He's a naturalist here at Ozark Caverns. And Garrick, man, it's been quite a day coming out. First time for me to come and see the, the cave system. And I've been in a lot of caves in Missouri over the decades, and it's always interesting, you know, to see uh, a new cave. It's just like a whole new experience because hey, uh, a lot of them have similarities, but still there's some grand differences in the caves. And uh, I mentioned a couple of times that we have 7,000 caves in the state of Missouri, and that's a, a growing number. But uh, the cave here is still in, in pretty good natural condition. Yeah, so... Part of DNR's mission is to preserve and interpret the finest cultural and natural um, resources within the state. And so we try to carry that through and in, in how we manage and our stewards of uh, our caves as well. Well, I'd like to give a little bit of plug for, you, you know, the, the, the tax that we all pay mm-hmm. uh, towards state parks. And that was instituted, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago or maybe more now. Uh, time flies and you're having fun, you know. <laughs> but what a what a godsend to the state park system. Of course, our Missouri Department of Conservation got their one-eighth of one percent sales tax prior to DNR's. It's one-tenth, I believe. That's right. And, but generates a lot of money for our state park system. And since those taxes have come to uh, DNR and state parks, Man, it's just been incredible to watch the growth of the parks, uh, the structures that have been added, uh, the interpretive programs. Uh, I applaud you guys for the good work that you're doing. And it also helps keep them free to enter, too. Yes. And so many people come to Missouri and just flabbergasted that we don't charge a fee to get into our state parks. You know, and I occasionally hear people grumble a little bit. I have to pay for this or that and the other. Well, what don't you have to pay for, you know, (laughs) in life? But we pay a very small tax to be able to appreciate what uh, we have within uh, our state park system. And how many state parks we have anymore? So we have a total of, I believe, 92 state parks and historical sites. Yeah. And uh, incredible staff. To take care of all these, you're getting some help. I understand here soon, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm I'm the only staff member here in the off season, um, but when we are fully operating for our cave tours, we do have several um, seasonal naturalists that that come here. Uh, a couple return year after year, and a couple new faces every year as well. Well, I love your setting here. Of course, you've got a building that just blends right in with the environment. I was beginning to wonder if I was going to find it or not, <laughs> but. A uh, small parking lot, little walkway, and you come in, and you're just surrounded by a fin here. Tell us about the fin. Tell, explain what a fin is. Sure. So a fin is is a unique wetland. Um, it is partially left over as a remnant from glaciation. Some of the species found in the fens in the park are not found anywhere for several hundred miles um, to the north. And so they're really unique hotspots for biodiversity, um, from insects to the plant life there. And they are all specialized uh, to live and grow within that cold, mineralized water coming out of our caves. Well, it's such a unique ecosystem. And, of course, uh, the Ozarks is kind of a melting pot when it comes to uh, flora and fauna species. Because, what? wow, how many times within the last ten or 12,000 years or so, 
where the Ozarks under shallow seas, you know, that come in and recede. And every time that happened, they brought new species with them. You know, it's cool to have the pawpaws, which are in uh-huh. the, I guess, the custard apple family, which comes from right. way, way, way south, you know. And you got the northern pitcher plants in Missouri, actually, too, that came from way north. So uh, people that are into flora and fauna, man, the state parks are a great place to go to see some very rare plants. Uh, offhand, would you know what some of the rarest plants are here in your fin? That's a tough one. Um, so we do have um, Riddle's Goldenrod, um, or excuse me, Riddell's Goldenrod, which is right outside of the fin, um, which is a, a pretty rare species to find. Um, yeah. This cave is in the visitor center right on the edge of our natural area. Um, and so it, it exhibits pre-settlement conditions. So the species and um, the, the wildlife that you'll find here are all um, pre-settlement conditions. So we maintain these areas through prescribed fire um, to, to showcase uh, what, what is great and grand in Missouri. Absolutely. And you mentioned that uh, the fin here was kind of created by DNR because uh, there was a there was a home structure right in the mouth of the cave at one point, and I think you had a, a fin over the hill or on the next hollow, and you kind of barred a few plants from that to get this one started. Is that how that Yeah, worked? so in our hollow here, Coakley Hollow, um, on Coakley Hollow Trail, there is a fin, um, and there used to be one. It was disturbed, um, and then when the park system bought this property, they restored that fin, so they um, reworked the hydrology so the water could flow through, and they added species from you know similar genetics just down the hollow and brought those by seed um, to this location and restored that fin. And it, it is also uh, maintained through periodic fire as well. Well, boy, that that's a great story because that's, that's a perfect example of mankind helping nature out just a little bit. And, of course, I was able to expand that fin up so that the public could see it here, right, mm-hmm. right out the doors of it the is nature center, right in front of the parking lot. Yeah, it's it's just a fabulous little area. Well, Garrick, I know Lake of the Ozark State Park. I think I remember my figures correctly. Is this the largest state park in the system? Yeah, over seventeen thousand six hundred acres and wow. over fifty miles of trail. Fifty miles of trail. Now there's some horse trails here as well. Yeah, yeah. So Trail of Four Winds is accessible through mountain biking, hiking, and hiking. Uh, excuse me mountain biking, horseback riding, and hiking. There you go. And, of course, Lake the Ozarks runs through or is right here in the middle of the state park as well. Lots of access points to fish, lots of campgrounds. There's public beach number one, public beach number two. There's a swimming beach, I think, at several places. And, actually, you're going to love this. Back in the must have been around 1970. I worked at Camp Pahitsi for no somebody. United <laughs> Cerebral Palsy Camp, boy. And, oh, what a what a life-changing experience. So I've got a little history with Lake Ozark mm-hmm. State Park. But, you know, not too far from here, there's another state park. That's right. Aha Tonka is, is about 30 minutes door-to-door from the visitor center to their visitor center. Uh, i got to hand it to those guys uh Barb, who's in our Missouri Outdoor Communicators group, she and I were over there yesterday afternoon, went in the visitor center, one of the coolest programs I've ever run across in my decades of experience in the outdoors. You could go in the visitor center and get keys to travel a couple of miles, and there's kayaks on a rack, <laughs> honor system, mm-hmm. unlock the lock, pick out your 
kayaks sit on tops, and there's another little compartment for life jackets, another little compartment for all locked uh, for paddles, and you take what you need, lock it back up, and hit the lake. That's right. And then come back and put it all back up, and all you got to do is drop by the visitor center, give them the keys back, or they got a drop box in case they've closed up. What a cool program. I don't think I've ever run across that anywhere before. <laughs> we were, Barb and I were just fascinated by that. Of course, both of us are in our 70s, you know, and we've seen the honor system. It was pretty common back in our day. It kind of faded away, you know. Uh, where else do you find an honor system anymore? Sometimes in the Ozark, you'll see people who cut firewood and they stack it out on the roadway, you know, uh-huh. close, and there's an honor system there, but not something that you see real common anymore. But uh, it was great to see that. We had a great time. We, it was real windy. We kind of had a mapped out route, but we decided to paddle up towards the spring where the mm-hmm. Haha Tunk Spring actually hits the lake arm. And uh, we're just fascinated. Lots of wildflowers on the bluffs. Columbine's one of my favorites. But what a nice, about a one-hour trip. And then we circled back and turned our keys in and took off for the next activity, you know. But, uh, Garrick, if people want to, can you schedule tours of the cave here through the office, or how's that work? Sure. So our, our tour schedule is pretty much the same from June 1st until the end of our operating season. Um, there are four tours a day starting June 1st and seven days a week. Um, you can get your tickets ahead of time online uh, up to six months in advance. And you can find that on the Ozark Caverns website at uh, mostateparks.com. Very good, man. Well, I'll tell you what, for newcomers coming to the Explorer Cave for the first time, uh, give them some tips about how should they dress or what should they bring or what should they not bring. Yes, absolutely. So first off, just so you know, it is 56 degrees throughout the cave. Um, so even in the summertime, you may want a long sleeve shirt. Um, we do have white nose syndrome in our cave. It doesn't affect people, um, but we can take those fungal spores to other caves. And so we're pretty restrictive on what can go into the cave. Um, just so we don't uh, transport white nose syndrome from our cave to another one. So it's pretty much a clothes on your back and shoes. Um, things like phones and purses and wallets, uh, or excuse me, phones and uh, backpacks and things like that. We'll need to stay in your car. Yeah. Easy enough. And, uh, hey, be sure to summertime, you know, people come in shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops and that sort of thing. You could get a little un- uncomfortable <laughs> spending an hour back there. A little bit of water drips on you, you know, and you uh-huh. get the chill and that sort of thing. But It's a great thing to follow a hike with. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. But what a grand adventure here at uh, Ozark Caverns and Lake of the Ozark State Park. And, uh, Garrick, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program, man. You do a great job, and I'm sure if you're, you. you're training a southern naturalist a little bit and kind of guiding directed them, you'll do well there as well. And folks, I encourage you to come out and, man, take advantage of this program. You know, it costs you a few bucks to get into the cave, but it's well worth it, and particularly to educate your children about the importance of cave systems, the importance of our state park system. And, you know, this is a great place to get into the outdoors and enjoy some of your outdoor dreams. Garrick, it looks to me like you're living your outdoor dreams. (laughs) It is pretty incredible. It is, and I love to uh, close the program to encourage people to get outdoors and take advantage of the natural resources of the state, great state of Missouri and live your outdoor dreams. I'm Bill Cooper, and this has been Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast. 
Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Bean Creek Game Calls, Big Ed's Guide Service, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.